0: we're excited about what God is doing. And we're, you know, we're in a a special series that lasts a whole year this, you know, usually it's four weeks, maybe six. Now we're in a uh, 52 week series uh, that we call the year of the Bible. I've really got a lot out of this particular year. It's just really, really been good so far and uh, how it ties everything together. You know, it's important that we know about the Old Testament which is the, the time in church history before Christ, before Jesus came, and then the New Testament, which is after Jesus came. And, and one thing you'll, you'll, you'll notice that you will fully understand the New Testament if you understand the Old Testament, It's just an amazing thing. Some people say, oh, that's the Old, don't worry about it. But the Old leads to the New. The Old actually explains the New. It's just amazing. So uh, what we seek to do is each week as we read through the one-year Bible, and you can do it in printed form. You can get one at the hub right at the service if you don't have one, or you can download the U Version app on your phone, and it'll it'll walk you straight through every day. Jan and I every every morning we just plug in our U Version, press the button, and it reads it to us. Man, we sort of like got a little Bible servant at the house. Put on a little 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 speaker, you know, so we can hear it real well. And then we just let him talk. And you know, the, the thing I love about the guy is he pronounces every word perfect. Keyworth or but the word's this long, and he's got it just down pat, you know. So we just want to encourage you to do that. Also, we want to encourage you on the app, the Northwood app. All of our sermon notes are on the Northwood app, and you can even take notes in the app while we're talking, and then you can email it to yourself. And you can go ahead and keep it in a binder and refer back to it. You'll be blessed. You know, Jan and I, not long ago, were looking at a message that we had done 35 years ago. It's just really amazing to see how the Lord has really helped us all through these years, and so we're excited about that. I want to talk to you today about a man in the Old Testament, but more so about his life and how it applies to our life. Unless the Old Testament applies to my life in some way, it really doesn't help me that much. The New Testament says that the what everybody went through in the Old Testament was given as an example to us that we might learn. How many of you know it's easier to learn from somebody else's mistakes than to learn from your own mistakes? And so this man, his name is Caleb, and a lot of you know him. Some of you name your kids after him, and hopefully that uh, that works out for you. I don't know. Uh, Church people think if I name my kids something. Maybe they'll be that. I don't know. Uh, they might resent that you named him Rabin. You know, I'm not sure. That's my favorite Hebrew name, Rabin. I just love it. I'm not, matter of fact, I think when I get my dog, when I retire one day, I think I'm going to name him Rabin. Probably not, huh? Joshua. Can I tell you the story about this man? He wasn't always a man. He he probably grew up in Egypt. In Egypt, the children of Israel were held captive. They first went in there. It was real peaceful. It was real good. And then another Pharaoh came in. You know, they were under Pharaoh, the, the king of Egypt. But then another Pharaoh came in. He didn't really know them. He didn't really like them. And he decided to put them into slavery, and he did. He made them make bricks, made them build their cities. It was a cruel taskmaster to the children of Israel. I mean, it was tough. And I believe that Caleb was up in there somewhere. And then God sent a man named Moses to help get the children of Israel out of Egypt. And so God used him to do miracles. You can remember, if you ever seen Charlton Heston do those on the TV, you know. Right around Easter, they always show the 10 commandments. What's funny is I watch it a lot of times. I've seen that thing so many times, like, oh, you know, he's got the big beard and yeah. But anyhow. He did miracles. There were plagues and, you know, flies and frogs and weather. And eventually the firstborn of all the families of Egypt died on a night that a death angel passed through. And Caleb was there. And then Caleb left with the children of Israel out of Egypt because Pharaoh said, get out of here. He was there when God parted the Red Sea and and all the Jewish people walked through on dry ground. He walked through on dry ground. He was at Mount Sinai when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses on the tablets of stone. He was there when they made the golden calf. He was there. He witnessed a lot of things. He was there. And then finally, God said to Moses, he said, we're at the border of the promised land, the land that had been promised to the children of Israel, to Abraham, then to Isaac, and then to Jacob, and then passed down through word of mouth, this promised land. If you ever watched the movie Waterworld, it'd be like dry land. You know what I'm talking about? And and this promised land, their whole life, they heard about the promised land. And now they're there on the very precipice of this great promise. And God says, I want you to choose Moses. I want you to choose 12 men, choose them. And send them into this promised land and let them go in there and spy it out and, and then bring a report back about what it looks like. And they brought a report back of what it looked like. They it said it's a great land, it's full of great things. The land is wonderful, there's valleys, trees, there's springs, there's, there's wonderful things there, but there's also some strong people there in walled cities. And then the report ended, and we're gonna get back to that report in a little while. But something happened that was recorded in the book of Joshua chapter 14 that's significant to this message today. In the ninth verse, it says, so that day Moses solemnly promised me, this is Caleb speaking, he says, Moses promised to me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. So Caleb was up in leadership there. He was one of the 12 leaders that was chosen to spy the land out. Moses was speaking to him. So he was up in there. He was recognized and he was given a promise And that brings me to the very, very first part of this message. The first point that we need to understand is that this thing of faith, this thing of eternal faith, this thing of the thing that pleases God, because the Bible says without faith, we can't please God. And the Bible says those people that have been justified or their life has been made right by Jesus live by faith. And faith is living and believing something that you have not seen yet. it's, It's something that's hard to understand with just the mind. It's like, why should I believe something I haven't seen? I have to see it. If I see it, I'll believe it. But faith is believing it without seeing it. It's a weird concept to a lot of people. And so the first thing I want to tell you about this thing of faith, eternal faith is driven by a promise. You know how it is when you promise your children something. They live on that promise. I'll tell you what, I've got four grandkids, and three of them are real small, and if you promise them something, you better deliver, Jack. You hear me? I promised my eight-year-old grandson, Bradley, that uh, we'd go eat oysters the other night. He loves oysters, charbroiled, of course. And so I told him, a while back we're gonna go, and look, he never forgot. Thursday night, when I, when I texted him, said, I'm coming. Look, when I, when I got out of my car, I looked up, and there's Bradley standing there fully dressed. He dressed himself, everything, picked everything, and he's ready to go. He's in the car while I'm telling his mom, he's ready because he had a promise. And Caleb had a promise in Joshua 14, 12. He says, so give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. He's talking to Joshua here, his friend, one of the two that went in and brought the report back and said, we can take this land. He said, I want you to give it. You remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great wall towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. He was living on a promise, man. And guess what? We live on a promise. I don't know if you realize that or not church, but we're living on a promise. It's in 1 John chapter 2, verse 24. The apostle John says, so you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father, and in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He promised us. Eternal life is a promise, and you have not engaged fully in the promise yet. There's more to come, folks. It's not all done yet. This promise, and and really, there has to be encouragement when there's a promise because you know what? Some people have been saved a very long time and they're still living on this earth. It's like, when am I going to get to heaven? When will I stand with Jesus? That's why we meet together. That's why we're meeting together here. Do you know one of the main reasons we meet together right here? We meet together because we'll never forsake assembling ourselves together because we encourage each other even the more so as we see the day of Jesus approaching. I don't know if you know this or not, but things are not gonna stay the same. If you think everything's just going to be the same, forget it, man. Look, there's coming a day where God's getting ready to change things. It's going to be good. We may be alive. I might be laying in a grave. I don't know. But I know one thing, whether he comes or he calls me, I'm going to get the promise. How about you? It's a promise. It's ours. It's the bread of the children, so to speak. And so eternal faith is driven by that promise. Not only that, eternal faith You ready? It's maintained by persistence. Persistence is a wonderful thing. I'm telling you what, we need to persist. We give up too easy. People give up too easy now. I love to be around people who don't give up. Man, it's it's like I can't do it, that's it, I give up. I give up on this, I give up on that, I give up on life, I give up on relationships, I just give up. Anything that's hard, we want to give up, and then we go searching for something that's easy. But guess what? Most of the things that are easy in life don't have much value. The things that are hard, man, look. Hey, that's the thing that really builds faith. You know, blessings don't build faith. Trials build faith. I wish blessings built faith. Lord bless me and build my faith. But he doesn't. He says, you know what? I'll send you a little trial there. I'll just let this happen to you. That's going to build your faith. And everybody that was coronal said, oh no, not me. I want the (laughs) blessings. You keep the problems, Lord. Bear my burdens for me. Joshua chapter 14, verse 10. Watch what, watch what, what Caleb is saying. He says, now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised, there it is, for all these 45 years. Since Moses made this promise, I've been hanging on for 45 years. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. Now, he talks about that wandering in the wilderness. What in the world was that all about? I mean, I thought, you know, God's the God of all blessing. Just bring me right into the promised land. Lord, here we go. Out of Egypt, into the promised land. Hallelujah. But this is what happened. It would be like we were in this service right now, and let's say I'm Moses, which I'm not, but let's say I was. And I got Aaron, my right-hand guy, with me, and then I've got 12 men standing on the platform. One of them is Caleb, one of them is Joshua, and there's 10 other guys. And we come in and we bring the report about this promised land that we've heard about our whole life, man. Momo been talking about this so long, I'm so tired of hearing about the promised land. Every night before we'd pray to go to bed, Momo would talk about the promised land. Remember the promise? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, Momo. And now we give him the report. These men have been there. They've seen it. So they give the report. And and the ten men begin crawfishing a little bit because it might get a little tough. Yes, it's got it's got milk and honey flowing, there's streams, there's grass, there's there's trees, there's all kind of things. Matter of fact, we brought back some of the grapes we harvest from the vineyard. It's it's so big, one cluster, two men had to carry it with a stick, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, look at these grapes here, man. Look, this is great here. But it's gonna be hard, so we can't have it. We got a promise. Our God said to take it. Moses is here, but we can't take it. And then they just started saying, We can't, we can't, we can't. It got so bad that Caleb stood up and said, Wait a minute. Shut up, everybody. Yeah. Said you steal the crowd. I don't know how you steal that crowd. Probably said, Be quiet. Listen. It's a great land. Yes, there's giants. But if God is with us, we can take this land. We can go in right now. Right now. Not till right now. And things got a little tough in the congregation. It's recorded in the book of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 1. Then the whole community, everybody there, began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. They didn't even go in there. The whole congregation, it'd be like all of you just, ah! all night long until it was like a chorus. In other words, you're crying in harmony all night long. This is going on when God promised the land and we can't do it. They took, they took a hold. It's amazing how we take a hold of the negative so much easier than the positive. It is just the way it is. <laughs> Watch what they say. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness. We'll die anywhere. We wish we could die anywhere. They just couldn't complain. Oh, we're going to be taken by these giants. They're going to take our wives and our daughters and they're going to be plundered. And oh, it's going to be so bad. Why didn't we just die? And they're crying and they're complaining. And then in the 10th verse, but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb, it got worse and worse. First, we're talking against people. Now we wanna kill you because you say we can have what God promised us. Just because it might get a little tough. So what does that mean to us? Exactly what does that mean to us? Where does persistence really enter into our daily life? Watch this. Last night at 7.14, Jan and I in our living room, and we got a little digital clock there. And it was 17 years ago that we committed our life to Jesus. 37 years ago, excuse me. Now watch this. It was 7.14 and we just, we not paying him. All of a sudden, it, when it clicked to 7.15, I said right there, 7.15, 37 years ago, this very moment, we were kneeling in our living room and we dedicated our life to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, that not that good? Come on, Jesus deserves the praise. But, but 37 years, 37 years. For 40 years, Caleb had to walk around the wilderness. Watch this, because God said, okay, because you wouldn't believe me, you were in the wilderness 40 days, so you're gonna walk in, me, in the promised land for 40 days. You're gonna walk in the wilderness one year for each day you're in the promised land. 40 years you're going to wander around in this. And then, by the way, God just turned and killed the 10 guys that brought the negative report. That'll just scare you enough to quit being negative right there. <laughs> but the two, Joshua and Caleb, they lived, but they had to walk around the wilderness for 40 years. Now, we don't talk about persistence. They could have been eating onions and beans and big grapes instead of they eating manna cakes. 40 years, Caleb. Tear down the tabernacle, put up the tabernacle. You know, the portable church back there. Tear down the tabernacle. 40 years. The clouds here. Oh, we got to move again. Pack it up. We but we only been here 2 days. Pack it up. Pack it up. <laughs> Not only that, he might have got on the team, you know, that carried, uh, you know, certain goat skin and and there he was with one of the guys who caused the problem. who who murmured, who cried all night long and said, we can't take it. He got to walk with him for 40 years. Can't you just imagine Caleb, you know, like, hey, (laughs) Rabine, dude, how's this working out for you? How's this working out? Remember, remember when, remember you, you, I saw you crying all night, complaining. How's it working out for you now we've been here 23 years? Working out, huh? And then he have to get a lamb and he'd go, <laughs> sacrifice the lamb, said, Lord, I'm sorry for hating Rabin. <laughs> By the way, Lord, here's, a, here's another lamb because tomorrow I'm going to hate him again. <laughs> yeah. 40 years of walking in the wilderness when he could have walked straight into the promised land. Can I give you the definition of persist because I love definitions. Persist means to continue firmly or obstinately in an opinion right, or a course of action in spite of difficulty, opposition, or failure. To press in no matter what. No ma- Look, I 37 years, let me tell you something, it hadn't always been great for 37 years. You know what I'm talking about? Let me tell you some of the things that you have to persist through if you're gonna serve God, especially some of you who just now have dedicated your life to Jesus, maybe last Sunday, maybe last week, maybe it has been a year or so. And even for you who have been in this thing a long time, you're gonna to have to persist through, you ready? Negative relationships. Listen to me, you're gonna to have to persist through, maybe your husband doesn't wanna serve Jesus. Or maybe your mom and dad is not serving God. Or your children are way out there on a limb somewhere. You gotta serve Jesus. You gotta serve Jesus when there's financial struggles, when things collapse, when you lose the job, when the company closes, when the deal you thought that would bring you into a great place brings you into a very, very difficult place. You're gonna have to learn how to persist through sickness and disease. You're gonna have to learn how to to work through pain and suffering and misunderstanding and abuse and offense and misuse. You're going to have to learn how to press in when things don't work out. Somebody divorces you. You have to press in. You have to continue to press in. Somebody misuses your daughter. Somebody does this. Somebody leaves here. Somebody goes there. Somebody talks about you here. Somebody defames your your reputation here. Somebody steals money from you in a business. These things you have to persist through. If you're going to live for Jesus, if you're going to get the promised land, you're going to have to persist. Too many people quit. Too many people say, you know what? I just don't want to serve Jesus anymore. They don't hang in there. My pastor used to tell me, he said, Van, hang in there. That's what I grew up on. It's like, oh, he's going to hang in there. And he said, I got a word for you. The Bible says this too shall come to pass. Amen. And he said, now go preach. Nowadays, it's like, oh, I've got three books for you and a personality test here that might help you to find out about your innermost feelings. about it. Sometimes it's just keep going. Keep pressing through. How about this? How about personal failures in character and morality? So you failed. The Bible says a righteous man falls down a bunch, but he gets back up. Now, if you're righteous and you fall down, get back up, get back up, get back up. Don't stay down, get back up. Go again at what God has for you. Wrong decisions that wreck your life, wrong decisions that lead people in the wrong direction. You persevere through, you persevere through our leaders who go bad, our political leaders, our civic leaders. Our religious leaders that go bad and do things that we can't understand, I'm gonna press through. I'm not gonna fail because you fail. I'm not giving up because you give up. I'm not going in the wrong direction because you or they or them went in the wrong direction. I am staying straight the best I know how with the grace of God. We're gonna persevere through this thing. Perseverance, man, perseverance, perseverance. Apostle Paul said, you know, I'm pressing forward. I haven't finished this thing, but I'm pressing to the calling, the high calling, the prize, the mark of Christ Jesus. That's where I'm headed, and nothing is going to deter me from that. I'm going to make it all the way in. Are you going to make it all the way in? Are you going all the way into the promised land? Come on. Oh, we're going to see each other in heaven one day. Is that where we're headed? Got to persevere. Persevere. Caleb persevered. I mean, look, 40 years, and finally he took the mountain, man. And look, this man was amazing. He's an old man. He's 80-something. I don't know what I'm going to be like when I'm 80-something. I have no, I'm 65. I don't, I don't have a clue, man. Eight, then another 20 years, oh, my goodness, I have no idea. <laughs> but this guy was something else. Joshua chapter 15, verse 14, this is what Caleb said. They gave him the promised land. Finally, he said, I want my mountain. They gave him the mountain. It's yours but they got some fellows living in the mountain that you're gonna have to deal with. And so you know what he did? 14th verse, he drove them out. The three groups of the Anakites, He he got rid of them. He drove them out. The descendants of Shushai and Ahon and also Talmai. Giants, he run them out. He didn't say, hey, you can take the back 40 and live there and everything will be all right, thinking that we just give them the back 40, give them a little space, you know, and they'll stay back there. Man, you know what happened to give them space back there on the back 40? Those marauders would have come in and raped their, their wives and killed their kids and stole their stuff. He got rid of them. He said, no more, it's not gonna happen anymore. He pursued them because eternal faith is fulfilled by pursuit. It's fulfilled. And pursuit, you know what it means? I love the definition. It means to follow someone or something in order to catch or attack. Some things you're gonna follow after, catch. Other things you're gonna follow after in pursuit to attack. You say, well, Pastor, there's no giants around here. I haven't seen anybody. I come from South Louisiana. Everybody's a little over there. Man, if you're five foot ten, you're a giant over there, you know? All the, all the women are short little Cajun firecrackers, man. I'm married to one. You know what I mean? There's no giants in our life. Pastor, what you want to talk about giants? What are these things? I don't know about no giants. That's back in the Old Testament. I'm living on Easy Street now. Well, let's see if we have any giants. Let's just see. In the New Testament, Apostle Paul, he says, I think I'm going to show you a few giants. You see, because we are a triune being, whether we know it or not, we really are. We have a body. Here's our body. You know, we fixed it all up this morning. We always fixing our body up. We love our bodies. We wash our bodies. We put makeup on our bodies, comb our hair, dress our bodies. We love our bodies. And then we have a soul. Our mind, our will, and emotions. We don't love it as much, but we still love it a lot. You know, I mean, that mind, we try, eh, our soul, try to keep it up. You know, the emotions, well, you know, I'm just an emotional person, it's the way it goes. You're going to have to live with it. But then we have a spirit. And when we're separated from God in sin, which I was 37 years ago, our spirit is like dormant. It's really not speaking up any. But then when I asked Jesus to come in, he brought me back to life. I was dead in my sin. He brought me back to life. Guess what? All of a sudden, there's a new kid on the block called the spirit. And of that he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so now when I go to do that, which I've always done, it's like, hey, hey wait a minute. Hey, hey, whoa, hey, you, hey, you, don't, you don't, I don't think you want to do that now. And all of a sudden where there wasn't a battle, now there is a battle. And some people stop when the battle takes place, not realizing that it's God working in your life to make you better. And so watch this. Apostle Paul says, let me just point out a few giants. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. That word lurking is such a nasty word. Lurking within you. Seems like it's just kind of like, you know, up in the background, just kind (laughs) of slimy, just lurking around. You know, people lurk like a peeping Tom. (laughs) You know, lurking. It's lurking within you. Have nothing to do with, now here he's going to name it, sexual immorality. I'm wondering if we could just cut out the sexual immorality. I'm just wondering if we might just commit to relationships in a godly way and just cut out the sexual immorality. I mean, come on, you know what I'm saying? When, if not now, I tell you, if I was a woman and you wouldn't marry me, <laughs> you're not committed enough to marry me, i will probably just skip. Impurity, lust, and evil desires. We have to deal with these things. They're up in the place. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is not an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Most of us don't bow down to little carved images. But if you're greedy, you worship idols. You see, we're either greedy or we're generous. Either greedy or generous. And then you know what he says? He said, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when when your life was still a part of this world. You used to do those things. But now the Spirit is saying, I don't want to do that anymore. And I don't want you to do that. And so we got to deal with it. We got this battle going on right here. And then he keeps on. He says, you know, but now is the time to get rid of anger. Why are people so angry all the time? Why do couples fight all the time? Why do so many people fight at their house? I don't know about you, but my house is my sanctuary. It's my, my, my place of refuge. man. Don't come up in my house and start fighting. You understand what I'm saying? Aren't you tired of fighting yet? You who've been married five years, fight a long time, fight all the time. And, and then he says, you know what else? Rage. Wow. And malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. That sounds like Facebook. I'll just tell you, sounds like Facebook i never seen so many angry, rageful, malicious behavior slandering and filthy mouth people, even in the church in my whole life. Look, know this. If you wouldn't take a microphone on this platform and say it in front of these people, don't say it on Facebook because more people are listening. And they got your picture. So when they see you at Walmart, they say, "That guy cuss a lot. Don't lie to each other. For you stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Calls them wicked. That's what's lurking up in every one of us. And that's why we have to kill it. Now, I'm gonna give you the biblical way to kill these things in your life. Take it or leave it, really and truly. We do, and we do that whether we, you know, we either take it or we leave it. Romans chapter eight, Apostle Paul Gives it straight to us in the verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, church folks, listen to me. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. There's an urge in us. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. You don't get the promise. But if through the power of the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you, me, us, we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Now, I'm not going to split theological hairs with you and argue about theology, but let me tell you something. God gives us a way out, and Pastor Jordan shared it with the church last week when he said when conviction comes, that's a positive thing. When conviction comes, what conviction is is the Holy Spirit stepping up in the place that you gave him in your life and saying, I don't want that to happen. I don't want you to do that thing. I want to give you a way out now. Will you follow me? All right, follow me. Here we go. Come on now, Van. Come on. Hey, hey, wait, don't stop. Just come on, follow me. I'm making a way for you to escape Works for me, works for you all the same way. It's all the same thing. No difference. And if I decide I want to go this way, he just stops where I turn around and he just waits. And this is the way the Holy Spirit works. Don't you make him work any other way. He's not running after you. He's convicting you with truth. And then when you go at him, he says, come on, I'm gonna lead you out of this. You're gonna escape it right now. Here we go, boop, we're free. You just did it. You just... There's a giant. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Too many people just think the Holy Spirit's weird, and that's weird because He's not. He is God, and He has great power that takes you to a place you can't go by yourself. And He knows, by the way, we as people. We will argue about what is right and what is wrong, what is positive, what is negative, what is sin and what is not. And we spend a lot of time doing that, but the Holy Spirit, he cuts like a razor. No gray areas. And what I love about him, he'll not let you do something that he'll let me do. He's a personal Holy Spirit. You might not be able to handle doing A, B, or C. It may not even be sin to you. It may not even be sin to him. He may just want you to do something or he may want you not to do something. Conviction obeyed equals deliverance, equals freedom. Look, in two weeks, we're holding an LIFE, Living in Freedom Every Day retreat. Some of you are in the LIFE groups. I urge every one of you to join next semester and be faithful. If you start it, finish it. Cause if you start something and you don't finish it, you never get the benefit of it. But in there, God takes 12 weeks and breaks things down. And, and then in the retreat, he just gets his dustpan and he sweeps it up and you're free in Jesus name. And many of you have been through that and you know, that's the truth. It's fulfilled. Now, now, Jesus in the New Testament, and I'm going to close with this. He speaks about this very same thing that we're speaking about. He tells the story in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. You read it this week. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. In other words, be persistent. He said, there was a judge in a certain city. He said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. He didn't care about people. He didn't fear God. Matter of fact, if you study history, you find out that these guys, the only way they would be moved was by bribes. That was it. You bribe them, you get your judgment. If you don't have the means to bribe, the judgment goes against you. Maybe some of that going on nowadays. I don't know, just saying. But he was a wicked judge and a widow of that city, one of the lowest people in the city. No, no man there to help, no, no lineage, just a, a, a woman all alone. She came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. (laughs) I mean, that's what Jesus said. She's driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant request. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson. Isn't it amazing how the Lord sends us all kind of different places to learn lessons? He's not telling us to be like the judge, and he's not like the judge, but he's saying learn a lesson from this, from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly, but when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith. How many people will have faith, have eternal faith? And then he really nails it shut in Luke chapter 11, and he says, so I tell you, keep on asking. Come on, people, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. And if you'll keep on knocking, then the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and to him, anyone who knocks, the door will be opened. This is a teaching from Jesus on persistence. It is a teaching that says you must continue pressing in and believing God for great things in this life and the life to come. If I had to choose, I'd choose the life to come. I'd rather live like a poor widow in this life and have eternal life. But I believe God wants to bless us and help us and give us wisdom in how to work and operate in this earthly life. But it's gonna take faith, folks. And you're gonna have to understand that you have to hold to the promise. You cannot let go. You have nothing else but the promise. And you're going to have to persist in everything. Not just the things I mentioned. Who knows what tomorrow is bringing in our life. And you have to pursue eternity with all of your heart. This is not a game we're in here. It's real, man. It's not always going to stay the same. Jesus is coming back one day. And man... I don't know about you, but I do know about you. Anybody who has ever joined together with Christ has an insatiable desire to please him. And on the day that he calls or comes, where you can look at him with an open face like the bride of Christ, free from all her shame, called by her true name and say, Jesus, you did it. You're wonderful. If it wasn't for you, Jesus, no way, nothing but eternity banished from the presence of the Father. You did it, Jesus, and you made me a great part of it. This is the end of the promise, folks, is standing before Jesus, blameless. Come on, bow your heads with me for a moment. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says this. He says to the church, he says, folks, I'm knocking at the door. I'm standing outside of the door. I'm knocking, I'm knocking, I'm knocking. And if you'll open the door, I'll come in and eat a meal with you. We'll be friends. We'll work together. If you're in this church and you know Christ right now, you're christ follower. but this message has gripped your heart. And you say, you know what? I haven't been holding to the promise. I haven't been persistent. I've allowed certain things just kind of take me completely off track. I have been pursuing things and things in my life that are just not right. The conviction of God has come upon your hearts right now. He wants you to agree with him. Just right there in your seat, right there where you're quiet, just you by yourself, you simply say, Lord, my heart has been convicted. Holy Spirit, I acknowledge your presence. I repent right now. Forgive me. I want to serve you with all of my heart. This is the way the economy of the kingdom works. Jesus paid for our sins past, present, and future. He simply wants us to agree with him when we're out of sorts, when we sin, when we violate our conscience. So as church people are doing that, I want to talk to a group of people that are possibly in this room like I was 37 years ago, disconnected from God, not knowing him personally, just knowing about him but having no real power in my life to move forward with him in any way. I wanna pray for you who are in this room right now like that, who who have come to a place, you've come to a church house today and you say, today I wanna serve Jesus. I need my sins forgiven, I need to be made whole. I want my spirit to come back alive. I just wanna be a child of God. I don't understand all what it's like, what all it means, I don't know where it's gonna take me, but I know I need God in my life And I want to dedicate myself to him today. If that's you, I want to pray for you right where you are. So while every head is bowed, I just want you to lift up your hand and say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I need that. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. I see your hand all the way in the back. That's right. You say, I need a savior. I want to give you time just to meditate on that because you're getting ready to make the greatest decision of your whole life. Our decision, Jan and i has lasted 37 years, and I believe it's going to carry us all the way in. I have no doubt that Jesus is well able to keep that which we have committed to him. So as you commit to Jesus right now, this is the way you're going to do it. If you raise your hand, and even if you didn't, but your heart is open towards God right now, as I pray, I invite you just to pray along with me. Just make this thing real in your life. Come on, God's listening to you. And so as we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just like I am, Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and rebellion against you, Lord. I've been blinded. I've not served you. I've been serving the things of this world. But God, today, I change by your power. Today, Lord God, I invite you into my life. Today, I believe in Jesus. And today, you're mine, Lord, my Savior. I commit to you fully. I ask you to change me into the person that you would have me to be. And I thank you now, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed and said amen and amen and amen. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God so we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv slash connect and fill out the information our lead pastor Van DeCote wants to send you a letter telling you some steps that you could take to maintain your new relationship with God and give you some information about Northwood Church. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins and in Long Beach so if you live in one of these areas we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website northwood.tv for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give. You can also text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that number is 228-215-3421. Thanks again for joining us today. See you next time.